0: Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. Through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here, we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. Maybe it's real short and maybe we'll just have to go for it. <clears throat> but <clears throat> the title is a word for our wilderness. And the other morning I got up and this thought came to me. I got up and this is not the message I kind of planned on preaching at all. And I began to work on it the last two or three days working on it, but this came to me. So to me, just came to my mind. And so I got up right away and did what I start doing and writing down notes and stuff and, And I'm thinking about what we're going through right now. And 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 this verse came up to me. And I said, you know what? That is a description of what's happening right now. And this is the title. is simply a word for our wilderness. Our world is more uncertain and confusing than ever. And how do we survive? We survive by a word from God. That's how we survive. And I think, God, you know, this is the thought that came to me. This is, it seems like we're in a wilderness time. And how do we survive? When God feeds us, God gives us a word. Let's look at our text. Matthew chapter 14. Follow with me to be up there. It says, that evening, disciples came to him and said, it is already late. It's a lonely place. Send the people away and let them go into the villages to buy food for themselves. They don't have. Jesus says, they don't have to leave, answered Jesus. You yourselves give them something to eat. We all have, all we have here are five loaves and two fish, they replied. Then he said, bring them here to me, Jesus said. He ordered the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and gave the disciples, and disciples gave to the people. And everyone ate and had enough. Then The disciples took up 12 baskets that were left over. The number of the men who ate were about 5,000, not counting women, and children one thing i could say about 220 that is good it's over <laughs> thank god it's past. we're in a brand new year and these are some this was i was reading this about resolutions it's an old outdated illustration but i'm gonna read it anyway because i was too lazy to redo it but here it is 1994 <clears throat> these are resolutions new year's resolutions I will try. 1994. I will try to be a better husband to my wife, Marge. 1995. I will not leave Marge. 1996. I will try to reconcile with Marge. 1997. I try to be a better husband to Wanda. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) New Year's resolution number two, different one. 1994. I will read at least 20 books a year. You know what's amazing about reading books? My grandson was in a private Christian school. And they had the award ceremony. I went to it, and I was amazed. The kid that won read 75 books that year. That's what we need. I'll tell you what's killing this generation and families is social media. There's so many good videos you can watch about social media on YouTube, documentaries that tell you about the dangers of how it's ruining families, it's separating families. It's destroying families. It's absolutely amazing what's happening. There's nothing wrong with being on your phone. It depends what you're doing on your phone. I'm not talking about studying on your phone. I'm not talking about looking at the news on your phone. I'm talking about social media like Facebook, Instagram, all those other things that people are involved in. They rob families of precious time. And let me just throw this in. I know I'm not talking about Facebook, but actually I am. But I thank God for it because we're on it right now. But Because you can use things for good. But let me just put it in perspective for you. If the doctor came to you today and said, Monday morning with the doctor, and the doctor says, You got three days to live, I don't think you'd spend much time on Instagram. That's how we should always live. You don't waste minutes, waste time. Time is precious, it's spent, you don't get it back. So I'll read at least 20 books a year, 1994, 1995, I'll read at least 10 books a year. 1996, I'll try to read five books a year. 1997, I'll finish reading airport. <laughs> Health. 1994, I'll get my weight below 180. 1995, I'll catch my calories. I will watch my calories until I get below 190. 1996, I'll follow my new diet rigidly rich, uh, until I get below 200. 1997, I will try to develop a realistic attitude about my weight. (laughs) Number four, 1994, I will go to church every Sunday. Are you watching? Listen to that? Every Sunday. We can't, but you can watch it. And I think it's critical that you watch the services because that's how I said in the beginning, we live by a word from God. And if you don't take the time to listen, the enemy will take advantage of your Take advantage of that. A soul without being preached to. You and I don't get in the word. It affects us. It really does matter. I will go to church every Sunday. 1995, I'll go to church as often as possible. 1996, I'll set aside some time each day for prayer. 1997, I'll at least try to catch a sermonette on YouTube. Not good. The late Irma Bombek said this, New Year's resolutions. I will not go to no doctor whose plans have died. I will, I will, I'm going to follow my husband's suggestions to put a little excitement back into my life by living within my budget. I'm going to apply for a hardship scholarship to Weight Watchers. I will never loan my car to anyone I haven't given birth to. Then Ern McManus says it like this, don't worry about keeping the New Year's 2021 New Year's resolutions, he says. You only have to deal with them until February, then you can give them up if you're a Catholic for Lent. <laughs> So let me get into point one very quickly. 2021, well, obviously we need to be concerned about, but we don't need to worry about. Worry in the future does you no know good. Worrying forward does you no know good. Concern and care? Absolutely. Worry does you no know good. My first point, the reason why we don't need to panic, we have no idea what 2021, it might be worse than 20. We don't know, but we do know what I'm going to talk about. Number one, we need to remember who's in charge and who we are. Isaiah 44, verse 6, thus says the Lord, the King and the Redeemer of Israel, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last and there is no God but me. Isaiah 43 verse 4, "Since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you." My, one of my children gave me for Christmas, gave me socks. I was going to wear them today, but I forgot, actually. And on the socks are pictures of my grandkids. And they look pretty corny, but I love them. I wore those things to Costco. So you can wear those outside? Oh, yeah, I ain't ashamed. I like me now. I don't, that's my grandkids. God's not ashamed of you and I either. He's not ashamed to say who, you know, he he says openly, I have loved you, I've honored you, I love you. Why do I need to worry? Well, you know what, I I need to be concerned, absolutely, but worry? No, because I have a God that loves me. I told myself I was kind of calmed down. And I have to be realistic. I know this year, last year, has been devastating to many, many people. I know that. And I'm not trying to make light of it as I go through this message. People lost jobs. People lost businesses. People lost their health. People lost loved ones. Very, very difficult. And for a lot of people, there was a sense of hope, a loss of hope that was tangible. It's like people... It's like the the uncertainty was breeding something, and people were like grabbing things just to try to survive, but it seemed like it was very so real that people had simply lost hope. Not thinking things could ever get any better at all. Struggling to survive, that's what it seemed like. In our text, the one verse is verse 15, and it talks about that evening, the disciples come to Jesus, and the Bible makes this statement. It It was a very lonely place. Disciples tell Jesus, this is what we have, and tell them to go. But the verse right before 15 is verse 14. We know that. But the Bible says in verse 14 that I did not read, he saw them and he was moved with compassion for them. Here's some thoughts for us. That word lonely to me, that lonely place, I'll get to the word place later, but that lonely, that word lonely, it's been a time, that's a picture of what's happening today. The word means secluded. It means remote. It means desolate. It means isolated. Does it sound familiar? They're in this place. They are isolated. They're away. Another version simply says it is a waste place. It's a desolate place. And it's in this place to me, it sounds like what's happening in our world today, what's happening in people's lives during this COVID thing. They're, they've been isolated, they've been pushed aside, and they're they're in this lonely place. You know, during this time, people have been so lonely, they've taken their lives. They're in this lonely place. They're in this desert. The Bible talks about it being a wilderness. It be, and so they're in this place. And they don't realize that verse 14 and we have to come to grips. Verse 14 says, God saw them and has compassion on them. He knows what we're going through while we're in that place. But listen to this. <clears throat> None of us know. But here is something I don't want us to do, and I think we need to think about this. You know, you can look back at 2020 and yes, it's been, there's been many struggles, it's been, there's been heartache, there's been many things. I'll get to that in a moment. But you can look back at that and think, just like what's in the scripture, you can look at that and think it was just a waste of time. And not see any good that you bring with you today. 2020, you can look at it like this verse. You can look at it and say, what a wasted place. What a wasted time. What a waste of experiences. There's nothing good about it. Let's, let's move on. That's dangerous. I think there's things in 20 that you and I can be grateful for. That we can take those experiences with us to 2021. Instead of looking back, I think it's nothing but bad and no. all. The temptation is when you're in the wilderness to honestly think that moment in the wilderness is a wasted time and it's a wasted experience. Nothing ever is wasted in the will of God. We need to be careful. It was challenges after challenges. Things that happened last year in people's lives have never happened before. People experience panic attacks. People experience major stress. People are hospitalized. It goes on, but it seemed like it was one thing after another for a while there, and it's very hard to navigate through because it was like it was never ending. This happened, and that would happen, and this would go on, and so many things that were totally unexpected. That's what got us. But I want us to realize God, the God I'm talking about, is grounded with us here in this moment. He is with us. And I've said it before, we need, at this moment, we need to be more grounded in Him than ever before, lest we fall away. If there was ever a time to be grounded in God and getting grounded in God and growing up and making some change, it's now. If you don't, the moment, the moment will overtake you, it will overwhelm you. These times are not bigger than God. You know, when this all happened, it wasn't like I've said it. I know I said it before, whether it's COVID or whether whatever is going on in your life is so sometimes it's a temptation to think, God, did this catch you by surprise? What's going on? God knows what's going on. The moment is not bigger than God and the moment is never bigger than God. And he is grounded with us in this moment. We have to believe that as the people of God. Because, listen to me, I said it Thursday, the world comes to us. They, too, are in the desert you're in, and they come to us, and they are hungry. And Jesus says, I have compassion on them. And he expects him, he expects us, through Jesus Christ, to minister to those that are hungry. He didn't honor the disciples' request. Disciples said, Lord, send them away. I've heard many Christians say, I can't wait to get to heaven. I hope the rapture comes tomorrow. That's all good, but we're here now, and we need to help the unsaved. Jesus tells the disciples, it's a lonely, it's not a wasted place. It's a lonely place. I get that, but I'm not going to send them away. The church has the answer. You guys, you, me working through you, we help these people. And more than ever, we need to realize that the world's watching us and we need to show them that the God we serve is alive and He's real. And we can share with the people that are scared and worried and troubled that God has an answer for them. They can see, they can identify Christ in your life. One of my friends said to me, He said, Carrie, I need miracles. On top of miracles. I know a God who does miracles on top of miracles. The friend I'm talking about is a close friend of mine, very discouraged. Like, really, like, boom, 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 boom. He's talking about everything going wrong, went wrong. How are you doing? And his words back to me was, "Carrie, I need miracles on top of miracles. Listen to what this man writes He said, the year before our eyes, which may deeply concern us and affect us, he said, we do not know what is about to happen or come to us. What personal trials, what family trials, what providential trials may await us, we do not know. Sickness may attack our bodies. Death enter our families. Difficulties beset our circumstances. Trials and temptations. Exercise our minds, snares entangle our feet, and many dark and gloomy clouds may p- make our path one of heaviness and sorrow. Every year, herein too has brought us its, its trials and its, in its pain or train, as he calls it. God's training, but he said trials and pain. And how do we expect the next coming to year? Do we expect to be exempt for all these things? And the answer all of us is No. The man who wrote that, wrote that over 200 years ago. It sounds like today. I, I, 200 years, he wrote, you know what that tells me? Life is always the same. Time hasn't changed. It sounds like what's going on right here. And that was written 200 and some years ago. But. The good year, the good thing I said in the beginning is that the year is behind us. Not only is the year behind us, God got us through it all. If you're watching me, that tells me you're alive. God got us through it all. Because what's going on? I don't know. All I know is right this moment, right now, you're alive, you're here. We're listening to the word of God being preached. God has got it through. I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we made it, but we did. And even though we've probably said some things like, I don't know if I can make it through this. We cried until we couldn't cry anymore. Our minds were racked. We were out of our mind, out of our wits, trialed, uh, troubled, uh, tired, wore out, like the scripture in the desert, saying, I don't know about none of this. It may, none of this makes sense. Fast forward, you're still alive, and you realize God got me through it. And let me just add, you make sure you, Acknowledge that God got you through it. No one at the end of it say, well, I just, you know, I knew I'd be okay, liar. Come on, stop it. You made it through because of God's grace. And I I would say this, last year and this coming year, last year could be, and I'm not saying it was a great year, but it could be a good year. And some of you say, how can you say last year is a good year? Let me tell you how I could say last year was a good year. It was a good year if, this could be 2021 or 2020, listen to me, if the year brings us closer to God and closer to our friends, one. Number two, if it helps us value more highly the things that really matter, number three, if it causes us to appreciate more deeply the gift of simply being alive, If it's done that to that, you know, if it it did that in you, then it was a good year. We may not like how we got there, but it was a good year. Living Translation talks about in Isaiah 41, God says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. And when you pass through the deep waters, I will be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you, and when you pass through the fire, you will not be burned, and all the hard trials that come your way will not hurt you. And What God is saying there is God chooses to step into the life we're at right now. He chooses to step into wherever we're living. He says, I will step into the moment of that moment in your life. I'm there with you. When the fire comes, the heartache comes, the trials come, the weeping coming. God's saying, I will step in. I will be with you. You know, the devil wants you to think that God isn't with us. That's not what the word says. says, he says, I will be with you. First Kings, most of us know this verse by heart know the story probably by heart. It's Elijah after he's running from God. We know he's in the cave. And this one verse says, after the earthquake, there was a fire, and the fire, but God was not in the fire. But after the fire came the voice of God. And I thought of it this way. Sometimes it's after we experience the fire of difficulty and the trials of difficulty that we finally learn And we're able to and open to hearing the voice of God. But it took the fire. After the fire came, we were finally open to the voice of God. Only the voice of God, can, like I said many times, can take us out of our caves. Only the voice of God can put us back on the path that God has ordained for us. Point number two, which is really good for me Get, make it to point two. New Year's resolution, baby. That's good for me. Point two, all the small things God is doing in your life can feel like wasted moments and wasted experiences. Zechariah 4.10, which is the verse we've been using, who despises the day of small things? Romans 8, 28, we, and we know that he helps those who love God and everything for good, those who he preordained to be called. The word there works all things together for good is the word cooperate, where we get the word synergy. It means to work together. There's a God saying. no matter what comes into our life, how it happens as a child of God, God says, I'm working through this. I'm co-. It's cooperating with the will of God for your life. That's what he's saying. Then It it says, for good. The word for good means this. It it describes what originates from God and is empowered by him in our life through faith. That's what God does. And it says here, we know that God always works for the good. So what are you saying? I'm saying nothing is wasted. Nothing. No, there's no experience wasted in God. There's no wasted greed. There's no wasted heartache. There's no wasted failure, and it ends with because God loves us. So, all that will, you find yourself in this place, and it may look like you may feel like, "What a waste! What a... How did I get in this lonely place? How did I get in this desert? How did I get in this place? No, there's no good about. There's nothing redemption about this. There's no. Re, there's nothing to to redeem out of this. It's not true. What God's doing that moment is powerful. Powerful. It's not wasted. Every moment in our life, I believe God can use for good. And we know this. Life can be very hard. Right? That ain't revelation. So I thought about the life of Moses. Listen to this. Most of you know the story of Moses. He wants to deliver the children of Israel. Idril, how you like that? New New Year can't even speak English, Kerry. That's called white ebonics. <clears throat> he wants to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He goes and he basically gets involved and the guys are fighting. He steps in and kills a guy. And long story short, he flees. He has to take off. <clears throat> and he flees. And the Bible says that he, he's gone into the wilderness. I taught on this on Thursday nights years ago, like a year ago, two years ago. So there he is. Fast forward 40 years. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. This all happens. He really tried to help. He really tried to do good, really tried to step in, put himself on the line. <clears throat> Nothing worked out at all. He goes and he's in the wilderness and he's, he's a shepherd now which he went, he went from the highest position, literally, second man in charge of everything, to what they would say the lowest position. Think about what he lost. <clears throat> he lost his position in the palace. And you know when you're hooked up, you got all kinds of benefits, right? You know someone up top? It's all about who you know. That's what they say, Right? All the benefits that you can imagine he has. He had all the power, really, that he needed. He had all the fame that he needed. <clears throat> and he was actually trained. He went to the best university, he went to the University of Egypt, got a PhD. The Bible says that he was trained in all the ways of Egyptians. It's, he was very well uh, educated. People write that off. They say, well, you, God, God used all of that later on. Hear me out. But he lost it all for a while. He gained it all, lost it all. He's on the backside of the desert. He's a shepherd now. Forty years have gone by. And there he is. There is nothing going on. He's in the wilderness. There's it's monotony, it's boredom. I mean, I mean, how I mean, how much excitement is there? A few sheep. He actually had more than a few sheep, but that's all you got is sheep. He's by himself. He's got a family now. Trust me, that ain't nothing like being in the palace. You're talking two different worlds. But not just a day, of 40 years. Now, you would think God can do it a little quicker than 40 years. But for whatever reason, 40 years, 40 years God was doing something in his life that he didn't even know about or even thought about. <clears throat> if you would have interviewed him, he it's been a waste. I've been over 40 years for what? That's all I got. I got married. got some kids, some sheep. I could have been. So I could help people. Now I can't help no one now. Look where I'm at. Look, nothing's worked out. 40 years a long time. And he really has no reason to believe that God was with him. But what was happening, I want you to see, what was happening in Moses' life was not happening on the outside. It was happening on the inside. He was being molded by the hand of God. God was molding him. If you looked at it, you'd say, what a waste. He's in the desert. He's in the wilderness. But the truth was what God was working on the inside was so powerful. God says, Moses, this is not wasted waste of time. In fact, I'm molding you to lead later. Moses, this ain't waste. I'm molding you in this fire and this difficult. Yeah, I know it took a long time. Moses, 40 years because you, you know what? You're stubborn. Any of you stubborn? God, you, you're you not going to outlast God. So I just do what I want to do. Well, you can. But God is still God. is still God. And if it takes one year, two year, five year, if you're a 40 year, well, so be it. So here he is. <clears throat> Then God comes to Moses, and we know he's going to call him to go back to Egypt. And we know what happens. The, the, the bush burns, and Moses goes over to see the bush. I preached about that. And God speaks to Moses. But I find this very interesting. He says, God wants to use him now, but he do not want to be used now. He says, you know what? Basically, what Moses says, I, I, you know what? I'm not going back to lead the people. Uh, for some reason, and I'll get to the reason a couple of them. One of them is, uh, no, I'm not going to go back. No, they had their chance. Have you ever helped people? And you get hurt? He said, help them again. He said, no, I helped them once. They hurt me. I ain't going back. Hello? People of Moses? God's, you know, no, wait, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going back. You know what no one really talks about? The power of Moses talking to God. If God was talking to you, you wouldn't think that'd be enough to rattle you and get you. Oh, hey, it's God. I'll go. But he is so, there's something that's happened inside of him that can happen to any one of us over a period of time. God's talking to him. It's like you don't read much going on there, but God's talking to him. And he said, no, I'm not going regardless. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't care. It ain't happening. they had their chance. I'm done. But God don't stop, right? Why was he doing that? I'll tell you why. He had a fear of failure, and he had a fear of being hurt again, and so all he was doing was protecting himself. I've been hurt deeply. I ain't going to let them hurt me again. I'm done with them. Then God says something to him. Moses says, they're not going to basically believe me. And Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he says, you know what? They won't even listen to me. But the statement Moses says, who am I? That's the question of the century. So what do you mean, Pastor? I've known wives that have abandoned their husbands and their children just to find out who they are. I've known men leave their marriages to go find out who they are. When I grew up, people knew who they were, at least. You don't know who you are. Look at your driver's license. That's who you are. But, but God says to Moses, when Moses says, who am I, that I should lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. God says, God said to him, I will be with you. And that's the answer to who you are. If God is with you, that's who you are. Moses, you don't need to know who you are. If I'm with you, that's all you need to know. Self esteem. I need to know. No, that's, that's not, even, that's not even, You just need to know I'm with you. If you know that, you're good. But the story continues quickly before I close. Not true. Okay. <laughs> I can't lie Begin the end of the year. I got a few more minutes anyway. Listen to this. <clears throat> Moses says, They won't listen to my voice. Moses is still bitter. I tried, the only listen to my voice. Hebrews 12, 15 says, the message version says, make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontentment. A little seed can ruin the whole life. He's angry, and you would think, listen to this. This is powerful. This tells you how we are as human. You would think 40 years would erase some of the pain of rejection and failure. But it didn't. It was almost like it was still so fresh to him. It was like it was yesterday. You know what? As you get older, you realize time goes by so fast. My mom used to always say, time goes by fast, son. Before you know, you'd be 40 or 50. And when you're 18, that's like a hundred years away. Like it took nine, it's like forever to get to 18, right? 40 years didn't erase none of the pain. So much pain still. Being hurt, rejected, and bitter now, I ain't doing, no, I'm not doing it. God can't even move me. It's very sad, it's commentary of human people and human life, I guess, when we've been so hurt and so bitter and so, what you call it what you want, let down, that you become so bitter that God can't move you. But that's where he is at. But what I love about God, when you say things to God, he don't go, how dare you? How could you be hurt for so long? God knows us. What I love about God, he keeps talking to Moses. God don't give up on us. Thank. You. Can you say, thank God, God doesn't give up on us? And God says, Moses, <clears throat> what's in your hand? You know, it was a rod. The rod was about six feet long, they say, about this thick shepherd's rod, that's all it was. So make a long story short, Moses actually goes and he's, he does a few miracles with the rod. If you read the story in Exodus, he throws down the rod but he does some miracles with the rod. But it's a rod. So he has this rod. Think about this. The rod is basically something that a branch came from a tree that grew one time. To me, that rod represented the growth in Moses' life the last 40 years. It represents what God has, had been doing in his life. And God tells Moses, what's in your hand? He says, the rod, throw it down. He does these miracles. Then it goes on and it goes on. Same thing happens. And the rod, you read it, the rod goes <clears throat> any place he goes. Any place Moses goes, you read the Bible says that he has the rod. And when he comes to part the Red Sea, what happens? He uses the rod stay with me now he parts the Red Sea by the rod later on he would strike the rock by the rod but the rod you can read in Exodus 4 verse 20 basically becomes the rod of God and what God was listening to this is to me this is so encouraging God didn't have to use the rod. The God repre- that rod represented the last forty years of His life. Take the last forty years, Moses. It's in that rod. That's what that represents. Throw it down. Put it before the sea. It will part. In other words, and it becomes the rod of God. God saying, Moses, I'm going to use the last forty years that you wrote off to do miracles. And the Bible says that the rod of Moses becomes. The rod of God. All those experiences you went through, wasted time, done, hurt, bitter. Moses, it wasn't wasted. In fact, from now on through, you're going to carry that rod with you. And he does. Every place you read about Mo, he's got his rod. You think about it. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 15, 14 verse 15, And the Lord said to Moses, The people crying to me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. Moses says, he don't know what to do. And God says, lift up thy rod, stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground. Moses, all those experiences are going to deliver people. All those experiences some of you have been going through, you thought God let you down, he didn't come through. You didn't answer, and you cried, and you wept, and you were tired and wore out. He said, what a waste, what was all this for? God said, I'm gonna use it, I'll use it for my glory. It wasn't wasted. It wasn't wasted, and then this one verse says it like this. Psalm 66 says, verse 10, he trained us first, we passed through the silver, he passed us through like sewer refining fires. He pushed us to the limit. The message says, the end of the verse, it says, He road-tested us inside out, took us to hell and back. Finally, He brought us out to a well-watered place. And the water, well-watered place, the word means a wealthy place, a place of abundance, a place that overflows. It means to be refreshed. It means to be fulfilled. It means to have more than enough. One version says, and God brought us to a place, He saturated us, refreshed us with His presence. I want you to bow your heads. I want every head bowed, please, just for a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'd like to speak to our people first that are here, perhaps you're here, and you look at last year, you're thinking about this next year, and you're so worried. God is saying to us, I'm with you. I am the Lord your God. Don't worry forward. Trust. There's others here, the things you've experienced. It's been nothing but heartache and pain. You see, I don't have the answer why, but I, I can say to you, it was not wasted time. Take the rod, take your experiences, and let me use them to help other people. You're here listening to me preach in the congregation and say, you know what? God's talking to me about some things in my heart. Just very quickly, you lift your hands. Say, God, you're talking to me about some things in my heart. I see all the hands, almost everyone in here. You're talking to me some things, to me, about my heart. There's some things that I've gone through. And all I've been saying is, why? And God's saying to us this new year, take your rod and let me use it to divide the waters and help others. Jesus tells the disciples, you don't send them away. We, through you, God can flow through you to meet their needs. He felt compassion for them. Maybe you're watching me online. Thank you for being with us and you want to give your life to Christ. First, I'm going to start with rededication. You you knew Christ at one time. For whatever reason, you walked away from him. Like Moses, you tried something it didn't work out, hurt, mad, bitter. Maybe 20 years has gone by and you're still mad. You won't even go to church anymore. You're broken. Well, God's word for you in the wilderness is you need to come back to him. Have you learned you can't live without him? You want to give your life to Jesus. You're listening to me, watching me. You say this prayer say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you're in the congregation and you're a backslider and you rededicate your life, you say the same prayer with me. You say it in your heart as I'm saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for my sins. I repent. I surrender everything to you, Jesus. I believe you died for me and you rose again. I accept you as my personal Savior. Give me the strength to live for you. And let my life be, bring you glory this year. I surrender all to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We can do one other thing for all those. We don't have any musicians. But if you just want to come... If you just want to come and pray at the altar, you may. Or if you just want to pray in your seat, you may. Just for a few moments before we dismiss. If you rededicated your life, take a moment to talk to God. The altars are open if you want to come for a moment. And just pray. We'll keep playing some music. Maybe we can go. I don't know if it's even possible to go to a worship song. If we're able to go to a good worship song. And just play that for a moment. Hey folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time.